to Franklin Covey's newest twice-weekly podcast on Leadership with Scott Miller, now the world's largest weekly podcast that airs twice-weekly, Tuesdays and Fridays, both on audio and video. If you aren't subscribing and watching it on video, visit franklincovey.com because I find that having a visual engagement with the guest, not me as the host, but with the guest, provides a whole different level of texture and context to their expertise. So I invite you to download the episodes and watch them on video as well. They're all archived in the podcast section of franklincovey.com's website. We are well into our 300-plus episode now, six years of many um, interviews, and rare do we invite a guest back, primarily because we're fortunate now to be inundated with publicists and publishers and agents sending us hundreds of books monthly wanting to pitch their author. This is not a book review podcast, but typically thought leaders often have a book. And then there are times when a guest has such a profound insight to share that I personally invite them back on, and that is the explanation for why we have a repeat return with um, today's guest, uh, Nedra Glover-Tawab. She wrote a book about a year ago that became a New York Times bestseller. I fell in love with this book. The title was Set Boundaries, Find Peace. We had a great interview. Nedra lived her life. We lived our life. And then a few months ago, I was in Barnes & Noble, as I happened to be about five days a week. It's my pastime. And I came across Nedra's book on one of the displays, and I immediately called our booker and said, please ask her if she'll come back on. He did. She said yes. And today we have the New York Times bestselling author Nedra Glover-Tawab on for a conversation just in time for the holidays that is based on her new book, Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships, Tune in for a great discussion. Nedra, welcome back to On Leadership. Thank you for having me again. Okay, so Nedra, let's start with this. When we had you on last time, we had a great conversation around how to set boundaries. When can you overset boundaries? When can they be healthy for you but not unhealthy for someone else? We did that whole conversation. It was very valuable to me. If you remember, my confession was that when I heard the idea of setting boundaries, I usually wrongly associated that with people who were very strict, sometimes I thought weren't very productive, had very tight yes or no's. We had a great conversation around my own paradigm and how I actually needed to learn to set boundaries myself. I encourage people, if you want to readdress the boundary conversation, our previous episode was gold, not because of me, but because of your expertise. You are a licensed therapist and have now written this new book called Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy family relationships. Nedra, tell me why you pivoted to this topic. Why, Of all the topics you could have written about and poured your heart and research in, why did your next book focus on family relationships and becoming drama-free? Family relationships are the most long-standing relationships that we have. And in those relationships, we learn how to exist in other relationships. So those family relationships, it just influences so much. And I find that when people can improve their boundaries and relationships in their family or make some decisions about them, they're able to take that and apply it to other areas of life. So even when people are at work, they are operating with their family system in place, the way that they handle conflict or avoid conflict, the way that they communicate, many of those things start in the family of origin. 
Nedra, you are now a, a two-time-plus renowned author, keynote speaker. You have nearly two million followers on Instagram. By the way, if our listeners and viewers aren't following Nedra on Instagram, you need to do that because I keep abreast of how to manage my own mental health through watching much of your Instagram. Nice, nice job, by the way. You deserve that massive audience. Uh, will you remind our listeners and viewers kind of what is your day job? How do you spend your time? How did you build the expertise you have now to become a bona fide expert on these topics? I'm a licensed therapist and I've been a therapist for 15 years. Before that, I was still in the human services field. I used to be a juvenile probation officer. I've worked with um, families in the foster care system. And for the last 15 years, I've been working in private practice with clients one-on-one. Nedra, I find that my interviews always take a little bit of a different tact. With this interview, I actually find your table of contents to be a great list of questions for us to go through. Sometimes, you know, I'll pick different stories, but as I read your book, I kept coming back to the segments that were in your table of contents. And that's actually how I'm going to conduct mm -hmm. today's interview, recognizing that there are so many nuances with each of these topics I'd like mm -hmm. you to impart into the millions of people that are listening and viewing this episode as we head into the Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, holidays, Kwanzaa, all the different holidays that surround the end of the year and the beginning of the new year. Let's talk about some insights you can share on becoming drama-free. First with those relationships with our parents, recognizing all of us have a complicated relationship with our parents, whether our parents are still living or past, whether they exercise control over us or not. What have you learned are some interesting and valuable reminders that everybody can maybe dip back into when it comes to a drama-free relationship with our parents? The biggest reminder is you are now an adult and you are not living a second childhood. When we can affirm that for ourselves, we can start to create the type of life that we want to have. We can start to shift some of those family expectations and certainly reclaim what we want to do for the holidays. There are so many adults who are existing as if their parents, their extended families control their holiday experience. And what tends to happen is we tend to see people with more anxiety and depression. We see substance abuse rates going up around the holidays. And that is definitely connected to our relationships and our roles in our family of origin. Nedra, this is a rough question, but answer it however you want. Rough meaning I think it's difficult to generalize this. With the patients you work with and the people you speak with, do you find that as it comes to relating to our parents, is it usually the adult child that is encouraging, maybe even subconsciously, passive-aggressively, their parent to act as a parent, or it's the parent that's aggressively asserting themselves as such? Are there, is there any insights there on how that dynamic continues to be perpetuated with adult children being still sort of parented by their parents? You know, it, it depends on the person. I've certainly seen it work both ways. There's nothing wrong with being parented by your parent as an adult. However, what that parenting looks like in your adulthood should shift. The parenting of an adult child should be more supportive and less hands-on, 
less decision-making for the parent and more decision-making for the adult child. And when that is not the case, there is this level of blurred roles and blurred boundaries. And that's when the resentment and the passive aggressiveness and the frustration starts to build in the relationship because you're not able to live the sort of life you want. And then the parents are upset because you're not doing what they're telling you to do. So it's, you know, it's an unhappy environment for everyone. There is no way to, to satisfy both people without changing the structure of that relationship. And yes, it's tough. You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, that's easier said than done. Absolutely. It is still possible. It's not necessarily easy, but in small ways, you can start to advocate for yourself as an adult. If you've been dreaming about going to, you know, maybe Mexico for New Year's or for Christmas, perhaps this is the year that you decide to do that and you let your family know early. If you've been dreaming about maybe going to two places instead of staying at one person's house over the holidays, perhaps this is the year to do that. So just in small ways, making some of these changes, many of us will continue to do the same thing over and over. And we're like, oh my gosh, I never get to do what I want to do on the holidays. I go here, we argue or whatever the situation is but we don't make those changes that are so necessary for us to have a different experience. You know, it reminds me of the movie Four Christmases where there is Reese Witherspoon and is it Vince Vaughn? I think I Vince think so, Vaughn. Yeah. And both sets of parents are divorced. And so they have to go to four homes. And while watching this movie, I just thought, why didn't they host Christmas? And have all of those people come to them because it's, you know, these constantly changing environments is all these different levels of frustration. It is a beautiful movie for us to look at and really think about how we want to explore our boundaries with our families. Nedra, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to do a role play, mainly because you're so well educated and so well spoken. Uh, give me a couple of examples, again, not necessarily specific situationally of how someone can have that conversation. Maybe you've been, you felt obliged to go to your mom's every Christmas or to your grandmother's every Thanksgiving for 14 years. You want to create your own traditions. Would you just maybe move outside of the natural comfort zone and role play a couple of those conversations so people can hear what they might sound like? Oh, I love what you just said. Um, this year, I'd love to create some of my own traditions. So one of the things that I would like to do is celebrate Christmas at my home. If you would like to come, you can. If Christmas is not a day you would like to visit, let's celebrate a week before. The thing with, you know, saying hard things is not waiting until the last minute. With the holidays, people are planning ahead. So if you want to have a different experience, you can start doing that as early as possible. It could be January and you can say to your family, hey, next Christmas, hey, next Kwanzaa, hey, this, this coming Hanukkah, this is what I'm planning to do. This is what we're planning to do. Many people will start to shift naturally when they have kids or if they um, become partners 
with someone because now you're thinking about more people. But without those things happening, we can still make changes to how we want to conduct ourselves during the holiday season. There has been a lot of talk of, you know, when you have tough conversations, you have to do it in person. That that can be a really helpful way, but I know when you're talking to your parents or to family members, it can be really tough to have conversations in person. So if it's helpful to you, text. If it's helpful to you, send an email. If it's helpful to you, send a voice note. The important thing is that you say it and you get it out. The method in which you do it, it really doesn't matter. It just needs to be said. And remember while you're doing this, your job is not to take care of their emotions around this experience. You have your own complicated emotions. It was really hard for you to execute this. So please be careful not to babysit how they feel about these changes. Now you know why her books are bestsellers. I wanna take that role play a little further. I'm gonna portray mm -hmm. the parent and you portray the person. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond back to you. What? Wait, wait, wait. You know I always host this holiday. I spend all year collecting the decorations and planning the menu. How, how could you force this on me like this? Well, I'm not forcing it on you. I'm trying to give you a heads up. And I know how important this holiday is for you. And it's important to me as well. And it's important to me to create my own traditions. What are you talking about? Like you're ruining this holiday for me because I'm guessing you're going to invite some of your sisters and brothers to come. So does that mean we're in competition now to host this holiday? I don't understand how you could think this was going to sit well with me. I did not necessarily want to upset you, but I wanted to be able to have a holiday experience that works for me. And I understand that is a little discomforting to you because you have your expectations of what should happen. But I have my expectations as well. Both expectations are really important. Well, I wish you well, we'll miss you. I will miss you too. And I hope that we can figure out some way to reconstruct the way that we're doing this holiday. Well, I don't know how that's possible because you know how special this has been to me and your father mm -hmm. for many years. And all of a sudden now you just decided you're gonna have a competitive holiday party against mine. Thanks a lot. Mm. Well, I hope that you don't see it as a competition because I certainly do not. I see it as two people having their own version of what the holiday should look like. I have given up everything for you all these years. I have sacrificed for you and that this is how you show respect to me. I, I, I just need to stew on this for a while. I, I don't know how even to respond. Mm. I will give you time. It was very hard for me to say this, knowing that this is how you would probably feel about it, but I want to give you time to experience whatever you need to feel about this. Nedra, that was not an outrageous uh, role play. You know that there are many people that are saying, oh my gosh, was he in my living room last week? Because that's often how that happens. I loved how you responded to that. You didn't take my bait. Your, your tone of voice never changed. Your, your body language, your self-regulation never changed. You validated me in terms of, well, I understand how you might think that way. However, it's this. And so I mm -hmm. thought you handled that really well. When, when people get drawn into that manipulative tit for tat, 
what's the best advice you would give to people not knowing the situation on how to not get lured in to that dysfunction? That, you know, it actually may come from a good place. Maybe the mother never had any holidays her life as, an, as, an, as a child, and now she's trying to create memories. Maybe it's the one thing in life that brings her joy and she feels threatened. People act the way they do for reasons. You, of course, know that. What advice would you give to the boundary setter, the person trying to be drama-free, to prevent themselves from getting sucked into the dysfunction? Mm. Notice that you're being manipulated, that they are trying to have your their way with your holiday experience. You, you, you named it. They are trying to manipulate you. They're trying to guilt trip you because their goal is to get you to do exactly what they want and not what you want. You know, when people say, I love you and I want the best for you. Well, the best for me is to have this other holiday experience. That's what I'm saying, that I want to do something different. I want to find out what my best thing is. I want to find out what delights me on the holiday, separate from what you've created. And so I'm entitled to my experience and you're entitled to figure out what your experience can look like potentially without me. When we start to feed into what a person is saying and we become defensive and we're like, that's not true. This is what I meant. And we start to get really reactive. We typically end up changing our minds. Nidra, it's like, I, go ahead. Nidra, I'm sorry for interrupting you. I noticed that whenever I posed my realistic but preposterous response, you always started with the same response. And maybe it's just your speech pattern. But the first, mm. the first sound that came out of your mouth was, hmm. And maybe that's just your personal style of speaking. But I almost found it, I didn't find it condescending. I found it a little bit validating. Like you were, you were validating that I needed to say what I said, but you weren't validating the content. Is there a reason why your response to me on four occasions when you opened your mouth, you, you, you started with the sound, hmm. Curious. I think it's important to be curious about what a person is saying to you and why they might be saying it. It is a little pause for me to understand the other person's perspective because I do want to respond with compassion. I don't want to just jump into a response because that might be my emotional reaction to it. I want to slow it down a bit and say, hmm, what do I need to think about here before I say maybe what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling? This person said these things. I don't want to have an equal response to their response. I want to consider what's being said by them. I don't want to dismiss their feelings, but I certainly want to reaffirm what I was stating. Okay, let's talk about troubleshooting relationships with siblings. Rarely a case where you would ever have conflict with your sibling, I know, but in the extraordinary <laughs> exception where there might be some, from your, your experience, what would you like to share on this topic, especially going into the holidays? I don't, I don't think the sibling rivalry goes away with age. It can sometimes increase, you know? And, and for many people, there is this, this, maybe the differences that they see in treatment. It is the competition within their lifestyle. It could be, you know, just not liking your sibling's personality, but a lot of these things did do come up on the holiday because you are 
in a situation with your sibling. And it can trigger some of that childhood stuff. Like, oh my gosh, every Christmas when we were kids, they had to open their presents first and our parents had to record them. And then I'm over here opening my stuff without all of that attention. You know, our stuff comes back. And so it's really important again to be forthcoming about the things that you've noticed. Be forthcoming about what you would like to see happen differently. I've certainly heard of people saying, you know, on the holidays, my parents cater to my sister or they cater to my brother. And I always wonder, are your parents aware of what you're seeing? Because sometimes people aren't aware of their behavior. They're not even recognizing like, oh my gosh, I am giving this person the bigger room. Oh my gosh, I am saying, hey, do you want to go to the store with me and not to this other child? So we, the person who's noticing it, we have to jump in there and we have to say, this is not fair. This is what I'm seeing. This is this is um, something that happens every year. Or this is something that's happening right now. Address it with the parent if they're involved. And if it's a situ situation directly with your sibling, it's really important to talk about it before you get to that holiday gathering. You know, many folks are having challenges around politics, around lifestyle choices. There are conversations that we may need to have before the big dinner. We need to call our sibling and say, hey, I get it. You don't support this thing. Let's not bring it up at dinner. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about whatever new books we're reading. Let's keep it really light. Okay, role play number two. You're my brother. Um, yes. Oh, I noticed that you and your wife both drove your new BMWs to mom's house today. I mean, could you not really have carpooled? Once again, you're constantly throwing the success that you and your wife have in my family's face. I chose to be a teacher. My wife is also a school counselor. Our careers are very mission-driven, unlike yours, but all seem to be about flaunting your wealth. Thanks a lot for once again rubbing it in our face. My intention was not to rub it in your face. My intention was to get to our parents' house in the vehicles that I had. I wonder if what you're feeling is from you and not necessarily from me, because I'm not doing anything other than living my life. But there seems to be some reminders in that for you of what you are not comfortable with in your own. Of course there are, John. You know mom and dad never supported my career choice. They always wanted to judge me by my income and by my career success, that you fell, in, fell behind uh, what they wanted. And here you continue to reinforce that and make me feel so insecure about my career choice. Thanks a lot, John. Hmm. Have you talked to mom and dad about that? Because it sounds like the issue is not with don't me. Don't turn it over to it's them. It's with our parents. No, don't turn it over to them. You and your wife did not need to both drive separate cars. I can see where the new tags are still on the front of both cars. You probably bought them both so you could show me up again. Story of my life, John. Story of your life. So it's not just the story with me. I wonder if that's an issue you have. Don't with manipulate me, John. You know exactly what you did. You've done it since high school. You're always trying to turn it back on me. Hmm. You know, I think this problem is much bigger than me driving a car and my wife driving a car here. I think there's something deeper going on and I don't think this is the place or time to address it. 
Nedra, you are a class act. Thank you. Okay, again, sounds preposterous, but you know this is happening in some version of that hundreds yes. of millions of times. Okay, this one much easier. Troubleshooting relationships with children. Riff on this. Well, you know, as, as parents, we think that the, the easy part is, I'm an adult and you must do as I say. And that is no longer the case. It is more modeling in the parent relationship. There is certainly um, a lot of respect-driven parenting happening right now. And so we are learning as we parent. So a lot of the ways in which I was parented in the 80s and 90s, it is no longer appropriate and it may no longer be effective. The children that are growing up now, they have different expectations of what parenting should look like. For example, my kids have an expectation that I play something with them like every day. I had no expectation like that with my parents. It was like they weren't my playmates. That is the expectation that kids have now. So we have to adjust the way in which we think. It doesn't mean you're always playing with your children, but it does mean that perhaps you do sometimes. And so parenting now, it's really focused on um, you know, who we're raising and how to raise them with boundaries and also how to raise them to respect our boundaries. Nedra, I want to finish with a final example. I'm going to use myself. Imagine that. But I want to tell you a story that will take two or three minutes and then have you debrief it as my podcast therapist because I am sure there are people that can relate to some version of this story. Mm -hmm. A year ago, my mother, who was recently widowed after my father's passing, a nearly 60-year marriage, flew out to Utah where we live from Florida to spend Christmas with my wife and I and our three young sons. My wife's mother and her husband of about 15 years, who we're all very cordial with, also came out to Utah to spend Christmas with our families. And all of us uh, joined Christmas dinner at my home. So my wife and I are three young boys that are at the time, say eight, 10, and 12. My mother, who's in her 80s, and my in-laws who are also in their like probably late 70s, early 80s. My wife plans this beautiful Christmas four o'clock dinner, a big filet, all these meals. The table is set, and about four o'clock, the oven stops working. Like, it turns on for three minutes and then turns off for three minutes, and the oven won't heat. My wife has a you know, $200 piece of filet mignon. None of the side dishes can be heated, and we have you know, 10 people in our house now for dinner, there's this gorgeous dining room table set. It's like the culmination of our Christmas day. We've been to church and opened gifts, and it's kind of a big deal for my wife. And clearly after 20 or 30 minutes of attempting this, the oven isn't going to work. And so we have 10 people who need dinner. It's about 6 o'clock at night, and it starts to, like, unravel. And I think it's an understatement to say I like to manage and control things. And so I'm trying to keep my wife happy. I'm trying to think of alternatives. Which hotel am I going to decamp everyone to for a lovely dinner? Are we just going to have eggs and bacon for dinner? Um, and what happens is my wife becomes a little bit emotional. It's clear to her that she's not going to be able to cook this dinner, and she leaves and goes up to her room. Not in a huff. She, there's no drama. She just goes up to her room. My mother starts to kind of 
uh, go down a route of, well, isn't this sad? And, oh, no. And Stephanie's so upset. And I'm trying to say, Mom, don't go there. It's not helpful, right? My wife doesn't need that. That's not going to turn the oven on right now. You know, making it, talking about it and identifying how bad it is isn't going to help. So I'm, and my mom, I kind of snap at her. So she kind of goes south and goes down to her bedroom and, quite frankly, pouts for a while, about an hour. My in-laws see their son-in-law acting in ways that are probably not as charitable as I would have hoped. I'm trying to keep my wife sane. I'm upset with my mom. Basically, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. I don't know why, but the oven starts to work again an hour later. My wife comes back. The meal happens. It's kind of a joke, but it was very, very stressful. And I would have argued no one was at fault. Everybody kind of um, deferred to their comfortable response, right? Me, take charge. My wife, a little bit of avoidance. My mom, a little bit of a woe is us. Isn't this so sad? My in-laws with them. No one did anything wrong per se. Whatever every family version of that is, what advice would you give us on dealing with in-laws and extended family at holidays when what we think might be helpful with our natural patterns are often not helpful Send us off at however you'd like to debrief that crazy train at the Miller house. Hmm. How unfortunate to have your oven not work on Christmas. Let's just sit with that for a moment. You're planning this amazing dinner and it just goes out. You know, in those moments, there are so many reactions happening and that typically is the case with a crisis, like somebody's calm, somebody's losing it, someone's yelling, someone's like, oh, nothing is wrong. Like all of these things sort of happening at once. And I don't think you can control the way the crisis unfolds, but there can be some really helpful conversations after everything has sort of subsided a bit. So even now, if you all haven't talked about it, like, you know, what did you think about that, that thing that happened last Christmas and particularly your reaction to it? Like, I just remember, you know, you saying these sort of things, like, what did you think about that? How were you feeling? It's really important for us to process those um, unfortunate moments in life and not just feel like, oh, it's a thing in the past. Well, it could happen again. It could be, you know, maybe a protection in some way, if we think about how we responded then and how we could respond to something similar in the future, like how do we process these things even after they happen? In the moment, you know, we we did what we knew how. It's, you know, I avoided, I, you know, went to my woe is me, but how do we deal with that in the future? Are you okay with the way that you responded? Did you even notice the way in which you responded? And it's never too late to have those conversations. And I think it could be really helpful because it may not be the oven, but it could be, you know, some other thing. You all are going on some family trip and somebody forgets like, you know, their luggage at the airport or something. And you just want to make sure that we've talked about, you know, our reactions in these moments. And we need to be able to process it and say, oh my gosh, like I was so sad when this happened. I just felt defeated because... I thought the world was, you know, everything was over. I planned all this stuff and nobody would appreciate it. 
let's go back and talk about these things. Let's not just move forward. Great, the stove is working now. This is fine. But we need to talk about what happened because it was a really big deal to all of us. You know, as I look back, of course, I think I handled it well, which is preposterous because all I really <laughs> wanted was my wife not to be sad, right? That's all mm -hmm. I wanted was I didn't want my wife to have her, th her Christmas day ruined. I, I didn't care if we ate cereal. I didn't care if we, you know, threw the entire table in the garbage can. I just didn't want my wife to be sad. I didn't my, want my, my, my mom to sort of validate that sadness. And so I think I'd like mm. to end with you reminding everybody, like me, that we often think the problem is out there. Well, it's the father-in-law, or it's the middle son, or it's always the neighbor, when in fact, all of us bring some drama to the table, and that we should build a self-awareness of, so Scott, you know, why did you get in the middle of it? Why didn't you just sit on the sofa and say, what do you want? I mean, I, I could have done any number of things. I could have just gotten mm -hmm. out a bowl of cereal or said, Let's eat it raw, steak tartare. I mean, I could have done a, a, a hundred things. I chose to try to manage everyone. I chose that. No one appointed me, you know, king of the castle. Remind mm -hmm. us Mayor that- Mayor of the it, chaos. What's that? Mayor of the chaos. Thank you. By the way, elected with no one's vote. Um, what advice would you give us to raise our self-awareness to remember it isn't just everybody else creating the drama. It's also us. Mm. It's you contributing to the drama. One of the things I heard you say about the holiday, which I think we often think is, it was my wife's Christmas. It's my parents' holiday. It's everybody's holiday. It's mine. It's yours. Is this other our neighbors? Yeah, but no. Yeah, but when mama's not happy, nobody's happy. You know that's true. Yeah, yeah, but it's everybody's holiday, and it was so significant to you that you're bringing it up. So it's not just one person's holiday or the holiday is, you know, a bigger thing to them. It's, you know, these are memories for everyone, whether we're really into Christmas decorations or not. This is a big deal for all of us. And the thing we have to remember when we're in the middle of these chaotic situations is we can't control how people feel about stuff. We can pay attention to it. We can certainly support them in what they're feeling, but we're having our own reactions. And we have to stop overcompensating and trying to rescue people from feeling and neglecting our need to feel and our need to be in, in, the, in the holiday experience or in the relationship. You have a lot of personal needs too, and you're right. We are a huge part of the chaos because we are the center of our lives. So whether we're creating it or not, we are the folks who, who are experiencing the chaos. And so as you're thinking like, oh my gosh, the situation with my brother, my sister, my mother, my grandparents, think about your role in it, what you can do differently. If they didn't change anything, if they didn't do anything this different this holiday season, what can you do differently? How can you handle some of those situations that have been a pattern in the family dynamics? What can you do? Not what everybody else should do, but what can you do? You could make a fortune just getting on a jet and flying around to all the holiday dinners and conflicts. <laughs> uh, 
I so enjoy you joining us. You are the New York Times bestselling author of the previous release, of which we have an episode that has aired on Set Boundaries, Find Peace. Nedra Glover-Tawab, you are the author of the newest release, Drama Free, a guide to managing unhealthy family relationships. Tell us what's next for you. Rest. You know, the end of the year, this is the holiday season. This is one of my favorite times of year. So I will be resting a lot and enjoying the holiday and creating new experiences work-wise. I'm, I'm going to start writing in November. I, I love this time so much. It's very quiet. A lot of people are out of the office. So I like to take advantage of that and lean into some projects until about mid-December. Will you give our listeners and viewers any kind of sneak peek on what your next topic might be focused on? Relationships. All of my topics will be on relationships, varying aspects, the relationship itself with family, setting boundaries, how we can be um, better community members, meaning being in community with other people. You know, we're going through a loneliness epidemic. And I think it's really important right now that we figure out how to be in healthy relationships because we're really lonely not being in them. Nedra Glover-Tawab, you're a class act. Thank you for joining us for your second time. I hope we get a chance to invite you back for a three-peat. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership. Mm -hmm.